Welcome to the Self-Talk Radio Show. Mind-changing radio. Welcome to Self-Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer, and my guest is Brad Zalas. He is a TEDx speaker, global business advisor, a web pioneer, an award-winning author of Liquid Leadership, which explores how to get boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials working together. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be on today. <laughs> how did you become a cross-generational expert? Where did you get your start on all this? Well, uh, it was actually by accident. I know maybe a lot of your listeners are curious about this as well and for their own careers, but uh, I started one of the first dot-com companies back in the 90s, and uh, I had employees that weren't acting normal. And uh, two of my other business partners were baby boomers, and I'd go into the office and i go, what is going on? And they're like, we don't know. And uh, everybody had a good chuckle, but one of my business partners was only three years younger than me, David Setner, and he acted completely different. And I was just like, what is going on? And it seemed like the younger people were that we hired, whether they were three years younger or seven years younger, they started acting very differently. And I started to realize it has to be a generational thing. And after I left K2, I started to do the research, and I had my own theories. But it was really a new generation that was completely uh, that was raised completely differently. Yeah. And, now, what, uh, now you mentioned that they acted differently. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, if you're a baby boomer listening, <laughs> uh, we were taught obedience to the boss, the obedience to hierarchy and things like that. I now had employees that were telling me off, uh, despite the fact that I was signing their paycheck. Uh, they wanted to work these flexible hours, come in at 10 o'clock and go home at 9 at night and then work at 2 and then not come in the next day. And uh, they they all wanted cell phones. Now, some of you are like, yeah, I'm dealing with that now. But I was dealing with that 20 years ago uh, with Generation X and the true Generation Y. And uh, it was just a different way of working. And uh, I remember we had hired some people and we had to fire them and I went to uh, David and, and said to him, hey, could you fire this person? He goes, it doesn't work that way anymore, Brad. And he goes, we, uh, he helped this guy get another job. And I was like, what are you talking about? It doesn't work that way. You fire people. You hire who you need. Fire again until you get the right people. He said, that's not the way it is anymore. And uh, I realized if I didn't change, uh, I was going to have an empty office. What is the difference between the way that each of these groups approach business, boomers, Gen X, and millennials? Well, remember, it all started in childhood. They were trained and raised differently than the rest of us. And so if you take a look at a baby boomer, we were the byproduct of the public school system. The public school system really uh, was developed through the, the military. It's a, we, you train everybody the same way and those who rise up to the top become the cream of the crop. And you pass them forward, and you start to trust them uh, in, in, inside the organization. You give them promotions. You give them the corner office, things like that. Then along came Generation X, and these were young people who were born between 1965 and roughly 1977. And here comes a new generation that was raised right in the heart of mom and dad both having to go to work for the first time. 
So both parents were out of the house. You had latchkey kids coming home, making their own lunches, and there was a sort of a buildup of resentment. If you talk to anybody who's a Gen Xer, they're a little cynical uh, in the way they see life. And they went to work, and they obeyed all the rules that boomers told them. They put on the suit and tie. They showed up at 5.30 in the morning. They did everything right. And now baby boomers are tripping over them to shake hands with millennials because millennials will leave uh, as a group. The whole office will suddenly leave. So Gen X is out of this generational milieu. They're the ones who are uh, the more frustrated because they did everything right, and now they're being ignored for the, the key positions of leadership. And that leads me into our next generation that we're having so much of a discussion about. Uh, and I want you to keep in mind, millennials don't know why they're different. They don't know that they're causing this much disruption uh, because they just they don't have the experience of seeing the arc of the generational issues. But if I can just throw this out really quick, Sarah, millennials were raised by baby boomers. And they were raised to speak up, talk back to their parents, and, and use their big boy voice, you know, when they were kids. So what that did inside the household is it flattened the hierarchy. So anybody born between 1984 and, let's say, the year 2000, they don't see uh, authority figures. They don't see the CEO as somebody to fear, and I hope that you know he, he looks upon me with this favor. They believe everybody's a peer in their network. They've also been trained through video games, immersive, full-character, full-on video games. They've been taught that mistakes are the best way to learn. So the more mistakes they make, the more they think they're learning. Whereas the baby boomer, what, what were we taught, Sarah, when, when we made a mistake at work? Don't. Our, <laughs> we are, you're right. Our career, our career will be over. Okay? So here's, here's why we have this... Uh, push-pull, and, and frustration with the next generation, they don't see what the big deal is if they make 10, 15 mistakes per day, whereas the boomer looks like they're working really, really slow when, in fact, they're trying to do their work perfectly the first time by double-checking it and then turning it in. So you have two different major habits in the workforce now, and they're butting up against each other. Huh. Well, you know what's, yeah, I I had dinner the other night and we got a letter home from school and it said, well, I haven't done my homework. And so I got this questionnaire from the school and the questionnaire was asking things like, well, is, is there something we can do to improve your experience at school? And, you know, what are some things that, you know, and, and I lost my uh, dinner. I, I was like, you know something, this doesn't happen in corporate world. If you don't get an assignment done in the corporate world, you you don't make the sale. You don't close the sale. You don't feed your family. And I said, so I have a very big problem with this. I said, I appreciate them trying to psychoanalyze you, but the bottom line is you've got a homework assignment that's due. Do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... And and I'm recognizing that I'm coming across as being crass and tough and 
tears ensue, and I don't want that, but I also want to see things get done. So what what is the, the way of communicating now to a millennial so that I'm not reducing them to tears, but also getting the best out of them, you know, the creativity, the vision? Uh, help me with that. Well, you know, you have to take a look, as I always say, in how they were raised. And the way they were raised is if you look at a video game, there are nine ways that you learn in a video game. Uh, so let me ask you how, do you, how do you learn in a video game or what do you learn in a video game, Sarah? You can, I don't like video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm very much, I like this game. It's called Life. I love to play it. I don't want to spend hours in a world that, I, that does nothing for me except entertain me. <laughs> that that's but you know and again I'm recognizing I've got blinders on so what what are the benefits of playing a video game Well the thing in the video game that these young people had learned from childhood is and here's the first thing mistakes are how you learn the faster you make mistakes the faster you learn you keep pushing against the video game you don't read a box for the rules any of you who are listening in, especially from HR departments, uh, you may not know this, but no one's reading your employee manual, okay? They don't read manuals anymore. You remember when we would spend hours playing Monopoly? Yeah. We would read the box, and we would get the rules down, and then we would start playing, and hours into it, it would always end the same. Somebody would flip the board over angry that they ran out of money. Right, yes. Those <laughs> were the good old days. <laughs> well, this generation, they were taught to leap in and make as many mistakes as possible, question and push against the game. And they don't see anything in the game as hierarchy or they, they have to earn it. What they have to do is they have to find the, the way to win the game. So everything in a gaming environment, they have access to if they just unlock the key to getting to it. So everything has to be peer-to-peer within that, that gaming environment. Here's the other thing you learn. Leadership is always rotational according to the skill set of the team. So nobody can be a leader for longer than they need to be when you need someone else to take the lead. That goes back and forth constantly for them. They always choose their team based on people's skill set. If you don't have the right skill set, they kick you out. Okay, so I'm going to ask you right there. I have a a president of a company, and I go into him and say, guess what? If I'm going to attract millennials into our organization, we need to have a rotational leadership (laughs) uh, basis here. How do I make that fly in an organization that may have hundreds of years of experience of having the president of the company, the CFO, the C-suite. How is, how is that being uh, changed for this next generation? Well, in the larger companies, they're using team uh, leadership. So the, you have a manager who's basically a project manager, and every time a project comes up, the leader on that project becomes different. And they move people around according to skill set. There's the key right there. Hmm. Look at a person's resume and then analyze their skill set. When you begin to see that somebody is better at a particular uh, skill, you move them into that department. And I'll give you a good example. 
uh, a friend of mine who is a, a, a CFO at an accounting firm, he noticed that a young woman that was working for them, she had her bachelor's degree in accounting, and she's working on her master's degree. She's sharp, all these things, but she didn't really, she wasn't really a good accountant. Let's put it that way. But he started to notice something. She had young talent, very eager, but she would light up whenever they had to get their newsletter together for their clients. So he started to move her into that department because she was better at that, writing and the layouts and getting everything out and communicating with clients. She was so much better than that than being a bookkeeper. So you have to start looking at the, the way your individual talent comes at you and move them accordingly. And that's hard to do, but it makes that person stay longer, let's put it that way. Because in the talent development realm, the biggest complaint is millennials come and then they leave on a Friday and don't tell anybody. And by Tuesday, they realize, you know, Barry didn't show up. <laughs> right. If you start, you have to realize they were raised by parents who looked them in the eye and said, don't do what mommy and daddy did. The corporate world sucked the life out of us. You follow your passion. So when they get to work and they're Xeroxing for two weeks straight, they're sitting there going, you know, I should be running this place. Why, why isn't anybody looking at me and giving me more challenges to do? They want more work. They want more things to do. They want to work faster. And here's the scary part that a lot of people may not even realize. The number one thing that millennials hate in an organization is inefficiency. Yeah. Well, but don't we all? Now, now here's, here's a question I have for the rotating leadership. I don't know what to call that, um, that structure. <laughs> I, I guess the gaming... The, the gaming philosophy, what if you have someone that you know, maybe it's a, it needs engineering done for it, but the engineer you have really is not great with people skills or, or communicating ideas or getting everybody on board. How do, you, how do you bridge that? You have to get that person into some sort of communication training because in this day and age, you really don't have time uh, for people who aren't capable of communicating better. Uh, you really need to, to put that person uh, into a Dale Carnegie course or something because communication is number one nowadays. Mm. And uh, a lot of people hide behind the email. A lot of millennials look, prefer emails. They, even though they were raised by parents who looked them right in the eye and communicated deeply, if a millennial feels awkward around you or you're the kind of boss that's intimidating, they may just want to send an email. They don't want to do any face-to-face -face, uh, kind of work. And you're going to have to train people in this day and age to be able to, to have a face-to-face -face conversation simply because you may not realize this, Sarah, they have huge amounts of training missing from their business acumen simply because they were raised differently. You know, as a baby boomer, you are a, a Gen Xer, kind of on the cusp of the, the baby boomer. Uh, you had to pick up certain skills, such as communicating to your elders, knowing how to form a, uh, a pitch, a talk, so that you could get the business done. You had to learn all these things. Millennials don't come right out of the box with those skills. 
they have to be taught them. But isn't that more than they want to bother with and they'll just move on? Well, yeah. But the problem <laughs> is, is most of what corporations are doing today is counterintuitive. It's, it's actually not going to work. You have to take your people at the bottom and start training them. You know, you, you can train and throw all this money at your winners at the top all the time, but the whole organization has to be able to turn uh, and or pivot, as they say nowadays. Yeah. And that requires that everybody gets similar training. Uh, and, and if, yes, if and you, you also links, you got to get rid of them. But the reality is, is your whole organization will be better off if you train everybody. And that leads me to Google and Netflix. They're restructuring to accommodate the millennial workforce. Can you talk more about about those structures? Sure, absolutely. And those structures are not going to work for everybody. I just want everybody to know that. Mm -hmm. But this thing called holacracy or flattening the hierarchy, this is the way millennials like to work. Because imagine that you have uh, some sort of amazing talent. Uh, And Sarah, when you were 25 years of age, did your boss run up to you and hang on every word that came out of your mouth because you were brilliant? Did that happen? No, you had to prove yourself. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but here's the thing. You now have a generation that at 25, everybody's listening to them and hanging on their every word. And the reason they're doing that is because they realize business is being decimated by something. They can't figure out what it is. Well, for a lot of people, the buying power has moved to the smartphone. So you don't need a brick-and-mortar structure anymore so much, let's say. Uh, And I'm just using one example. So getting to know and elevate some of your employees instead of relying on the strict hierarchy and code that, you know, you have to earn your way to get all the way to the very top, you're going to miss a lot of the, the new inventions that are coming along that are going to destroy your business as you know it. So why not flatten the hierarchy, which Cisco Pro did years ago, Google does, Netflix does. You have to start listening to the ideas because business is happening at the speed of a modem nowadays. And I sound old when I say modem, but a router or the speed of a Wi-Fi connection or the cloud. So wouldn't it be better if these young people who have been trained to explore and find the latest apps, wouldn't it be great to actually bring them to the table, start listening to their feedback, integrating them into the corporate culture, and seeing what their skills are as a team leader or as a team follower? You don't know, but you need to flatten the hierarchy so that you can get these ideas, business-making ideas, to the forefront. My guest is Brad Zalas, the author of Liquid Leadership on Self Talk Radio Show. When we come back, we'll talk about the secrets to attracting and keeping a vibrant millennial on your workforce and why 1977 was a pivotal year for how households changed communication styles and how kids played. Very important in the workforce when we come back on Self Talk Radio Show. 
Can't sleep? Try this. Sleep Meditation offers soothing meditations to help you sleep like a baby and awaken what's inside. All you have to do is choose the meditation you want to listen to from our library at sleepmeditation.org. Click play and enjoy. If you want to keep the recording, purchase the downloads you want. Plus, Sleep Meditation offers specials on motivational pieces that help you start positive change, stop bad habits, or sleep like a baby. Sleepmeditation.org. So if I'm going to motivate a millennial, what, what's, what are some words I should never use around a millennial? Because <laughs> I have well, a feeling for, i got to scrub my know, vocabulary. <laughs> well, this is our problem. We're, we're tiptoeing around something. And I don't think millennials are, are as babied and coddled as everybody thinks. I think they want to be respected for the contribution to the company. Yeah. And... The thing that I think Netflix has done that's really impressive is they stopped hiring two mediocre employees and decided to hire one A player. And the reason they did that is uh, it, it actually saves money. Right. Because if you hire one A player, they're going to work very hard. If you start using a team kind of structure for your workforce, and you, it, it requires a team leader who gets team dynamics because Teams can kind of not be honest with each other sometimes. Mm. But if you look at, uh, let's say, Pixar, you have to pull right there in the very beginning in the creative meeting, you have to pull out of them not only the best work, but when it's not up to par, you call them on it right away. But the group supports the person who's being not chastised. It's creative critiquing where you kind of tell the person, you know, that needs to be better. So when you hire an A player and they're being told they need to be better, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to try and get better. So a lot of times when you're hiring in this day and age, you're hiring mediocrity. And then we get frustrated when they get up and leave or they don't meet our standards. Or we tiptoe around them and say, hey, good job, when really they, they made so many mistakes on the last project. You've got to go in and correct it. Right. Or you don't, you to, or you get to the yeah. point where you just don't schedule them anymore because right. it's so, so frustrating. I'm going to throw this out, and I want everybody to write this down. Stop hiring mediocre people. Of, of any age, of any age. It doesn't fully, matter. Right. Fully formed adults. Start hiring fully formed adults who can handle critique. And here's the thing. Everybody is trying in this day and age to get the cheapest person. for the. Uh, they're trying to spread their dollars, let's put it that way. Don't do that. You now have to have incentive programs with people. Maybe you can't pay them what you they, they really want. But you can do, for just a very tiny amount of money, uh, have uh, monthly parties where you get together at the local watering hole and they have rules. And that is you have to sit down and talk with somebody you'd never work with and find out what projects they're working on and share ideas with each other. You know, simple ideas like that, incentive programs that bring people together. Uh, and, And real quick, I want to mention this. When you find one really amazing employee at your firm, you probably should have an employee referral program in place because what happens is, we all hang out with the 10 people that are most like us. So if you have a dynamic person in your organization, 
ask them if they have friends that are equally as good as they are and have them apply for jobs at the company. You'd be surprised how quickly you're going to have amazing people in your firm just by asking that other amazing person to bring in some of their friends. Now, the criteria should be different. If uh, they're part of the hiring process, you ask them to step back from that and let their friends sink or swim on their own. But usually, in most industries, you find some really great, talented individuals from friends of friends. Yeah, that's a great idea, Brad. Um, I also wanted to ask you about your TED Talk. I loved it. I'll, I'll put a link on the Self Talk Radio Show page to it. Uh, the Age of Radical Disruption. You talk about specifically the year 1977 that impacted yeah. the way a 21st century student learns. Can you talk about that? Because I thought that was really interesting. Well, the, the one of the funniest things I talk about uh, in my own uh, keynote speeches is uh, conversations changed right around 1977 in the household. Mommy and Daddy now looked at their kids, and they leaned in real close, and they said, Hey, Billy, what do you think? Should Mommy and Daddy get a divorce? What do you think, buddy? <laughs> and, and everybody starts laughing. You know what I talk about that? Because the dynamics changed so much from... 1977 and 1984, what happened is the work of Carl Rogers started to creep into the public education system, the teachings of Dr. Spock, and, you know, all these people, don't yell at kids, don't paddle, let these glorious, wonderful flowers, you know, uh, grow into wonderful human beings. They can do anything. And so they're, this generation's been raised and brought up through a world where nobody was paddled, Nobody was taught they were right or wrong. People did get a trophy, and I know a lot of millennials today are upset with that because they know the trophy thing, everybody gets a trophy, um, was kind of a load of, of hooey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there is, there is no last winner. You know what I mean? Right, right. You were the last to win, buddy. You're the last to win. I love you. You know, that kind of <laughs> it, it was going on. So the self-esteem picture is different. And when I decided to do my TED Talk, there were three major influences I know that changed this generation and created them. Parenting was one of them. Uh, The second one was Star Wars and movies that were science fiction driven and toys that could interact with them made their world very different. But the big piece is video games. And when I put the list of the nine things you learn in a video game, people's jaw starts to drop because that's the behavior. They're looking at the behavior at the same time. You know, this this jumping back and forth and, and going into things and, and willing to take risks. And yeah. uh, I noticed it in my nephew, as I, I said in my TED Talk, I learned to play the drums the hard way. I had to, you know, 10,000 hours, uh, as Anders Erickson talked about, and, and you had to, you had to, learn and get bloody knuckles and calluses and all these other things. And all of a sudden, you learn by doing, but it takes a long time. And then my nephew comes along, and he learns to play the, the trap set on a video game called Rock Band. And so when you see these kind of things, you start to ask yourself, not only is he learning how to play a video game, uh, drums through a video game, but the other musicians in the video game world were in other countries at the same time. 
Now, imagine that you're a boomer and you're yelling at your kid and you don't know that that's going on. You think your kid's playing around, goofing off. Meanwhile, he's learning to collaborate in real time around the world with other musicians and other business people and other players. I mean, this is, this is the world we can't even fathom. I guess I can, I, I, I'm okay with learning an instrument or learning music. I guess where I have the desk disconnect is when you're learning to kill somebody on, uh, you know, on a, on a, yeah. on a game. I understand. I don't, well, and, that's- and that's, and, and believe me, my son is cringing listening to the show right now because he loves, <laughs> he loves these games. Like, oh, please shut up, mom. But my concern is, I think these things are really hypnotic and I think that they desensitize us into the way we connect with others, the way that we use our time. And I'm, and I'm also cognizant to, in your talk, you were mentioning how the military is changing controllers in aircraft and and other weaponry to simulate the look and feel of a controller that you'd use in a game. So is that what we're doing is we're actually training our young people to be able to operate these systems in, in the military workforce? Yes. Everything you just said is correct. And there's benefits that come out of that, yes. But here's the thing. I think there was a, uh, a movie with Robin Williams called Toy, The Toy or something. Yes, Toy. yes. And... They were teaching kids how to play uh, military games and fly drones and all these things. Um, and his brother was a general, and he thought this was great. Well, our our drone pilots, their first uh, platform was an Xbox, uh, military-level Xbox <laughs> drone controller. And what? let me back up for just a second because I want to sure. get this out. Baby boomers, when we entered a classroom, a lot of times we saw there were only two or three ways to interact with us when it came to learning styles. And maybe if you're a boomer, you remember some of your friends were separated and put into other classes because they weren't as smart, and others may have been separated because they were super smart. Right. And so, but there was only one or two kinds of, of teaching methodologies, and that was auditory and visual. And so when the teacher was standing at the front of the blackboard and said, all right, Sarah, I need your homework done by Monday. You had a little bit of fear in there. You knew you had to get it done. But the only thing or the only way you were learning is if the teacher spoke and wrote things down. So visually and auditory, right? Yes. Well, now, now once in a while, you, you, one of your friends would go to Votech, and that's sort of an apprentice model where you get, to get your hands on and you get to learn. Well, not only have millennials been exposed to all 10 learning styles, they get to enter a video game world and have self-apprenticeships. They can teach themselves. And that's what the Khan Academy is about. That's what YouTube trainings are about. This is a generation that's been raised to be able to access information and experience within 10 minutes. And it's, it's a world that has been caused because of video games. Video games have gotten them to train and learn and, and do things faster and do the same action over and over and over hundreds of times until they master it. And some of you are listening going, come on, video games, that's a load of hooey. Well, guess what? 
our military discovered that millennials are better marksmen than previous generations that were raised with guns. You know, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I learned how to shoot a rifle and a firearm by the time I was 12 in the Boy Scouts. Yep. And so I learned target practice. I was very good with the 22. And this generation comes along, and they've been firing at a video screen for 10,000, 20,000 hours, uh, as I said before. And uh, all of a sudden, they are better marksmen than the previous generation. So video games, technology, all of this changes our brain structure and actually changes the way we interact with our world, and it affects behavior as well. So you are correct. Video games, what they've, they've discovered, and I went out to this uh, event years ago. It's the Games and Learning Society, the GLS conference. And I sat in on a conference with uh, Professor James Paul G., who wrote the book, uh, What Video Games Teach Us About Learning and Literacy. And he was sitting with the New York Times games critic at the time, who basically, uh, the conversation they were having was a fireside chat about moral compromise in the video game world. And what I mean by this is some of the video games, the, there were a lot of young people in the room, and they were talking and blowing the minds of any of us who were over, you know, 40 uh, at the time. They were talking about how they had to kill a character in the game in order to live and survive. And that character ran up to him and said, don't shoot me, don't kill me, I have a wife and kids. So they wouldn't shoot them in the game. And then 10 minutes later, that character was a zombie and would kill them. So they learned the next time they went around, don't take, don't be conned by his emotional, you know, plea for help. Shoot him. That's the kind of moral compromise your children have grown up with now. And today, they may not even know this, but they uh, have a different emotional connection that uh, may be lacking in some cases. And you may have noticed it. Uh, a lot of you may write in or talk about this, but millennials don't have the same emotional connection that we did simply because they were exposed to moral compromise in video games at an early age. Interesting. Wow. My guest has been wow. Brad Zalas. He is a TEDx speaker, global business advisor, web pioneer, fascinating guest, and the award-winning author of Liquid Leadership. If you are scratching your head wondering how to get along with millennials in your business and you're a baby boomer, <laughs> if you're a Gen X and you feel left out, this is definitely a book to teach you how to bring all of these generations together and be productive and prosperous. Thank you so much, Brad, for being on the show. Sarah, thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm Sarah Spencer for Self Talk Radio Show.